Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week, we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority and host of the Raising Private Money show. Jay Connor has been buying and selling houses since 2003. He's rehabbed over 475 houses and has been involved in over $118 million in transactions. His passion is motivating and teaching other real estate investors how to raise private money without ever asking for money. As a result, Jay has consulted one-on-one -on -one with over 2,000 real estate investors. So we will definitely be hearing a lot about raising private money in this podcast here today. But I also would like to talk a little bit about uh, developing shopping centers and condominium communities too. So with that, I'd like to say uh, welcome to the show, Jay. Hello, George. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along and talk about this topic that I'm so passionate about, that being private money. And the reason I'm so passionate about it is because private money has had more of a difference and made more of an impact. Uh, I'll hit you with a, an old Jay Conner quote that if you uh, focus on helping other people first, that you don't have to worry about uh, getting what you need. So why don't you expound on that and tell us what, what does that mean to you and what has it meant to your business? It's meant everything to my business. George, when I was 24 years old, I went to work for a mobile home company, actually my father's company when I was 24. And um, the corporation actually required all of its sales people to listen to all of Zig Ziglar's, um, now this is going to date me right here, cassette tapes. I know a lot of your <laughs> listeners never even like, they don't even know what a cassette tape is. But anyway, I listened to Zig Ziglar. So Zig Ziglar's uh, mantra that he was known for was, if you help enough other people get what they need and want, you don't have to worry about yourself. And I'm paraphrasing. And that, that programmed in my brain all the way back to when I was 24 years old. Leading with a servant's heart has impacted mine and Carol Joy's business for decades. For example, how do we serve? Well, in addition to this world of private money, we serve other people. Like, for example, when we are marketing and mailing letters to people that are facing foreclosure, for goodness sakes, those people are stressed out. They're in distress. They're financially strapped. They're emotionally distraught. And so when they respond to one of our eight sequential letters, one of the first things we say to them and ask is, do you want to keep your property? And if they do, then we may give them an idea as to how they can. Like, have you talked to your lender? Have you talked about a loan deferment program? Have you talked about a loan modification? And if we can give them an idea on how to keep their property and it works out for them, that's fantastic. Is there anything in it directly for us? No, but I believe in the law of reciprocity and planting seeds. You know, here's another writer downer. It's all about sowing. It ain't about reaping. I can't reap nothing. 
until I have sown first. And so I want to lead with value. I want to lead with understanding what my the person I'm talking to's problem is. You know, if people didn't have problems, we wouldn't be in business. That's what we're doing. We're solving people's problems. Our private lenders, we're solving their problem because they're not getting a decent rate of return elsewhere. We're solving our seller's problems, right? So you stop and think about it. It doesn't matter what product or service that you buy. There's something you want fixed or you wouldn't be buying the product or service. So just remember, leave the servant's heart. You are a problem solver and focus on the other person and you're not going to have to worry about yourself. I love it. Now we talked a lot about education but we haven't talked about your podcast, The Raising Private Money Show. So tell us a little about what you're focused on and how you've been able to help people with that. Absolutely. So as you said, the podcast is titled Raising Private Money, and you can find it easily on iTunes, Spotify, et cetera. And what the show is all about is it's about raising private money for your real estate deals, whether it be residential, commercial deals, multifamily, et cetera. And so we always have on the show, 100% of the time, guests that talk about how they have gone about raising private money for their real estate deals, where they found their lenders, how they begin conversations, uh, everything that we've been talking about here. But you know, everybody that has raised private money has got their own nuance to it, their own way that they approach it. And so we've got now hundreds of episodes on raising private money with Jay Connor. And again, it's easy to find. And I'd love for you to come join us and listen in on raising private money with Jay Connor. Right. I love that. And uh, what about development? I think this is very fascinating. We're kind of living in a, in a situation where, I mean, I'm going to start with the the housing market. I mean, we haven't been building 1.5 million homes annualized since the middle of 2007. And some people may say this is the worst time to be in development because interest rates are rising. It's just getting harder and harder. I think I, I, think I already know what you're going to say to that. But, uh, but tell us about uh, what you're doing in development and, and what is the outlook for commercial development? Yeah. Well, I'm anticipating, and nobody has a crystal ball, that's for sure. But I've got some very, very good friends that are a whole lot smarter than me when it comes to economics and predicting what's going to be going on and looking at employment and unemployment and what's the Fed's doing with rates. A lot of people that I'm listening to, George, are saying that interest rates we can see within the next year, maybe year and a half or two, are going to be coming back down into the fives. Um, you know, I just saw today, not to date this show, but I did see today where the national 30-year mortgage fixed rate on a residential house is 7.6%, but I, I anticipate that to be coming down. Now, as far as multifamily and commercial development, it really is, in my humble opinion, George, it's much more driven by what's going on in your local market. Now, I believe, as I just said, mortgage rates are going to be coming down. But before you start, before you get into any kind of multi uh, multifamily or commercial development, 
you really, really, of course, this goes for residential as well, but you really know what's, you know, what's going on in your local market and the demand. Now, as far as demand goes, it's at an all time high as far as housing, uh, whether it's rentals or, um, or, 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 or owning, et cetera, but make sure in other words, multifamily, in my opinion, George is just like single family. Don't start out in this business by yourself. Make sure you hook up, you know, to, to someone else that is experienced and has already gone through the, uh, the mines and knows how to help you through it. All right. Beautiful stuff there. And uh, I think we might have to pivot a little bit because we're going to have to probably uh, find a way to land this plane. But before we go into our, I will, from time to time, we allow our guests to turn the tables and ask a question. So if you'd like to, Jay, uh, go for it. Wow. So I get to ask you a question, you George. It, All <laughs> right. And hey, look, I wasn't even prepared for that. Um, well, I mean, this is a common question, but a very valuable question when it comes to your answer. And that is... First of all, share with your audience, George, what year did you start investing in real estate? Oh, yeah. Wow. Taking me way back. I want to say that it was 2010 and we were going to sell the family home and move up just a little bit because well, that was a time that made sense if you were going to buy more house. And uh, we decided instead, and it was really my father's advice. He said, just keep that. You aren't going to get anything for it on the market. So uh, hold on to it, become a landlord. So because of that, I had many, many years of real estate experience before I got heavily into it. And it was one of the things that was very pivotal to me because it gave me the confidence when I decided, hey, I love entrepreneurship and I'm ready to dive in and find my own way in the world. Uh, I had already worked in the family business of construction that it's time to, to go back and just do real estate at scale. So that's when I went into multifamily. So thank you. I love that question. You got it. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Let's do it. So since that time, George, what's the biggest mistake you made and what's the lesson you learned from it? All right. Great. I like that. Cause it's a lot like a question I'm going to ask you. So, you know, Hey, I think that you can, you never stop learning always got to get uh, smarter and stronger every day. So when you go into your real estate transactions, you know, you're going to find that some are going to be harder than others. And you always just got to be ready to pivot. Don't try to predict, just know what you're going to do. If A comes to pass, you know, what's the plan? If B, if C, uh, because again, nobody knows and in all of, or not all, hopefully not all your projections, but most of your projections are generally based on one scenario. So you can never do enough sensitivity testing. So every time you go into a new real estate class, like for me, like say class D, just never underestimate how different that is. It's good to stay in your lane. And, and that's a great way to be successful. And, you know, got into a class D property and really underestimated the sheer difficulty of working with class D tenants versus class C and stabilization took a little longer than expected. So uh, whenever you do something new, you know, understand that you don't, you don't expect it to go just like what, what you're very heavily experienced in, but again, used to only 
our own funds did not have any outside investors in that deal. So it was a great way to learn and turning it around. And they say, I think success is a poor teacher. So the harder a deal is, the more that I learn. So thanks for that question. Beautiful. Thank you, George. Yeah. Sensitivity testing, scenario testing. Anyway, sorry. I'm a tech guy. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Instead, I want to give you an opportunity to get to know you better, uh, for audience to get to know you better. And so I've got seven questions that I like to ask everybody on the show. Are you ready? I don't know. I'm getting ready to find out if I'm ready. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're ready. Oh, he's a total professional. He's... All right. So if you could be known for only one thing, Jay, what would that be? If I could be known for only one thing, authenticity. And what do I mean by authenticity? What you see is what you get. In other words, what you're hearing, you can count on. Uh, you know, a close cousin to authenticity is integrity. Uh, reputation. So a reputation of being authentic. In other words, when I say something to someone, I would want to have the reputation to be known for when Jay says it, you can count on it. You can take it to the bank. He's telling you the truth and he's not making something up, um, you know, just to make you feel good, but you can rely on Jay Connor's word. All right. I love that. What is the greatest lesson in leadership that you learned as an entrepreneur? Hmm. Biggest lesson in leadership. Well, if you're a leader, that means you got followers. So that begs the question, what's the, what should the relationships be between you as the leader and your followers or your team members, as I call all of my folks, my team members. And so one of the most important lessons I learned the hard way, and unfortunately, George, the most valuable lessons I have learned, I did learn the hard way because I had to screw it up first in order to fix it. And what I've learned is as a leader, it's so important to be accessible, accessible. So this ties into communicating with your team. So years ago, I used to repeatedly hear it from my team members. Well, Jay's so busy, I can't get to him. Or Jay, so, you know, Jay doesn't have any time for me to tell him. So as a leader, not only do you want to be accessible, but it's your responsibility as the leader of the team to put into place a practice, a platform, a scheduled time every week that you and your team can get together on Zoom, on the phone, in person, and get their feedback. So make it easy. There it is. Make it easy for your team members to, first of all, ask you for what they need. As you as a leader, it's your job to give your team members the tools they need and the information they need to get their job done. And that can't happen unless there's free flowing communication. So make the platform available and make it easy for them. And, and here's another part that's also just as important. Make a, create a culture to where your team members can tell you as the leader, 
exactly what they're thinking and not what you want to hear. What personal characteristic has been most pivotal to your success? Now, that one's easy. Resiliency. And what do I mean by resiliency? As a leader, as an owner, as an entrepreneur, you're going to have a lot of problems and you're going to have a lot of challenges. And, you know, back to my story that I shared a little while ago about when I was talking to my banker, uh, you know, on my phone with handset here. Um, when I got cut off from the bank, well, I had a choice. I could have just sat back and quit. Well, my funding's gone. No way to do the deals. So resiliency, stick to commitment, because look, there's always another way. Even, I mean, even though I said, I hate people going around and say, well, every problem is an opportunity. Really at the end of the day, it is. So don't give up. And here's the key to being resilient. Ask yourself, who do you know that can help you with your problem? I love that. And, you know, just to inject a little further excitement in this interview, very exciting interview so far. I've got some random questions here. So why don't you just tell me when to stop cutting the deck? Uh, when to stop? How about right now? This reminds me All of right. a magic. This reminds me of a magic trick. Well, the only magic here is that we're going to, uh, to ask you a, a delightfully random question. Which fabulously impractical car would you like to own? The Batmobile. Ah, I love it. <laughs> I'm glad you just didn't say uh, Lamborghini Gallardo. All right, can you no. name a book that's helped afford you as a leader or as an entrepreneur and why? I'm sorry. I'm, you're laughing too much and I'm laughing too much. What was the question? <laughs> that, that was good. That, that's going to go on the greatest hits next next edition. Name a book that's helped afford you as a leader or as an entrepreneur and why. Oh, wow. The name of the book is University of Success, and it's by Og Mandino, Og Mandino, M-A-N-D-I-N-O, University of Success. So that book came out long about 1984, and it's been, uh, I think there's like a, uh, a golden uh, anniversary to that book by now. But anyway, um, the reason that book was so impactful to me is, first of all, I was in a very, very dark place. And I was looking for, like, you know, a new way to look at this life of mine and start over. And so I started reading the book. I love the book, University of Success, because Ogmandino, the author, he had all these brilliant minds contribute. And it's all about personal development. It's all about mindset, regardless of what you're doing. And each chapter is a short chapter with lessons learned. And um, that's my favorite book. I mean, in addition to the Bible, uh, University of Success, foundational book to my personal development. All right. Now, I promised that I was going to ask you a question about hurdles and speed bumps, too. So here it is. So what's the biggest hurdle you have overcome in your business in the last year? And what did it teach you? The biggest hurdle. So, so this needs to be a hurdle within the past year. Oh, it doesn't have to be. We can we can go back a little more if you want. Okay, because if I can go back a little further, um, what I'm thinking of is a very, very important lesson. So if anyone is 
looking at or has and is going to, again, flip houses. So I, I know, George, you talk primarily about multifamily, but if I can just share my experience in single-family houses, if you're looking to flip a property, the most important lesson I learned was even if you're looking to flip a property, always calculate will that property cash flow if you are forced into renting it out. So you mm -hmm. always want to analyze it, you being the thinker brain there, George. You always want to analyze it. How much can I bring in per month on rent versus my underlying debt? Will it cash flow in case I get stuck with the property and I cannot flip it? That's a big mistake I made long ago when I bought a condominium. I was looking to flip it. And let me tell you something, the, the market turned. I was stuck with it and it was a bloodbath for many years until the market did turn back. So always look at those deals, analyzing both sides of it, both ways. I love that. That's a sort of agility. That's huge. I see that in successful people all the time. And, and thank you for sharing that. Can you give us a quote to help forge our listeners as leaders and entrepreneurs? Well, I'll give you my quote that I'm known for, and that is successes are scheduled. Now, what do I mean by successes are scheduled? Things just don't happen, right? So I don't very much believe in a to-do list. So this is my, like my everyday practice is the, how I go about doing business. If it's important enough that I want it done, put it on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. So successes are scheduled. Just don't put it on the to-do list. If you really want something done, schedule it on your calendar to get done and keep the commitment to yourself. All right. Now we're at that time in the interview where I have to ask you, email, website, carrier pigeon, smoke signal. What's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? <laughs> the best way is um, just order my book and I'll autograph it and ship it to you. jconner.com forward slash book, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash book, and we'll be connected. All right. I want to thank you, Jay. Jay Connor, the Private Money Authority. Thank you for taking your time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience. George, thank you so much for having me on. You are a fantastic interviewer, man. Congratulations. And right, right um, back at you. Amazing guest. Thank you so much. You got it, George. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure.